0: Hi, this is Patti Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer.
1: This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine.
0: A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love, as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night and then for a discount price you can get off your couch put down that clicker and experience the magic that is live performance well there is a place goldstar.com you just go to that website you type in your city and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices theater dance comedy film food concerts sports No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with GoldStar.com. GoldStar is in 26 cities around the country, with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to GoldStar.com, get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Alana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Known fact about my guest today. She has played Marissa Tomei's daughter not just once, but twice on Broadway and on film. So she's got that locked. Welcome Ella Rubin to the podcast. A OK. everybody. My guest today is Ella Rubin. Ella can currently be seen in The Rose Tattoo on Broadway, where she stars as Rosa, the daughter of Serafina, who is played by Marissa Tomei. On the big screen, she's been featured in The Rewrite, a film in which she also plays Marissa Tomei's daughter. She can be seen on the small screen in the Hulu series Difficult People, Showtime's Billions, and Unforgettable on CBS. She studied theater and continues to study theater while she works all over the world, doing Mm -hmm. all kinds of super cool projects. And she's also an advocate for social change and raising awareness for all kinds of issues, but specifically climate change. I am so thrilled to have Marissa Tomei's fake daughter. Right. Anytime (laughs) there's a daughter, it's you. And I was just saying before we started recording that looking at you, I've known Marissa for so long. Mm -hmm. We started a theater company called Naked Angels together one million years ago. (laughs) And you look so much, I mean... No one looks more beautiful or younger than Marissa Tomei even now. Oh, yeah. She but looks amazing. I understand genetically why you are being cast repeatedly in that role. That's <laughs> very but flattering. I, totally. I would yeah. like to – I'd be flattered to be cast as her mother at oh, yeah. this point. Oh, yeah. Um, so you are – are you still in high school or have you graduated high school? I am.
1: I am currently a senior in high school. Okay.
0: So you're almost done. <laughs> getting there. Um, and have been able to somehow do school – Be a political and social activist and do all the things from Broadway to television to film. Um, I'm always thrilled when I get to sit down with younger people on the show because it takes a very special person to know early on. What their calling is, what their hmm. passion is, and everyone has a different origin story in this right. way. But tell me, um, a little bit before I get into how magnificent you are oh, in this current Broadway show that you are in. Here's to many more. Um, tell me how you got started and why you got started as a child actress.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel very lucky to have found my passion so quickly in life. Um, and I really did stumble into it by accident. Um, I never wanted to be an actress. I was very into, you know, kid stuff, uh-huh. playing and soccer, and being an eleven-year-old. And then my uh, best friend Mia decided to join this kids theater group just for fun, and I auditioned with her for moral support. Um, I happened to get in and get a lead in the show that year. And then wait,
0: did Mia get in? Mia did get in. <laughs> Thank
1: God! Everyone asked that. <laughs> she she is no longer passionate about acting, right? But she is smart as a whip. And has her own things, for sure. And we're still best friends. Right. Um,
0: but she was funny. your gateway. Your gateway oh, drug yeah. into
1: the theater. I can't wait till she listens to this. Um, hi, she, Mia. Hi, Mia. We love you. love you. Uh No, she was definitely my gateway into theater. Because we just auditioned together and got in. And I was, like, meh about it. And How she, old
0: were you when oh, this 11. happened?
1: I was 11. So I was in fifth grade. Okay. And she was... Um, she was... I think pretty excited and then we got there and the first day I realized like whoa I love it here and I look over at Mia to maybe express my excitement or whatever it was and I see her start to hold back tears and I'm like oh my god are you okay and she goes I hate this I have to leave (laughs) she hated it so much what were they asking you to
0: do that like already she was like these are not my people I think
1: theater yeah. I think the thing is, she's a
0: beautiful voice, and she's yeah. always a great actress. She just
1: hated it, and I loved it from the moment I stepped into that uh, basement. And
0: are you? <laughs> did you grow up in the suburbs? Did you grow up in New York City? So
1: I've always lived on the Upper West Side. Okay. of Okay. So um, you know, I guess like entertainment in general has always been a big part of my life. Right. Uh, I was always very into um, film and television. I guess is. Many people are. Right. Like, but, loved
0: watching it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I would write, like, little movie reviews and give them to my family. No one would. No one cared. Um, Guys,
0: hang on. Before dinner, yeah. I just.
1: I reviewed Sorry. Aladdin if you want to get my take, my hot take. Um, But no, I, yes, I, I started do. acting when I was 11. And then the show was Seussical. I was JoJo. And uh, I remember I was.
0: My son was Horton. I know that Ah, show so well. And by the way, that is not an easy show to sing. Mm. That is a very hard – was it like Suzical Jr. or like the legit long form Suzical? I think it
1: was the long form. Okay. I'm pretty sure.
0: Impressive. Um,
1: Yeah, I was never – I never had an amazing voice, so I'm surprised it happened. But uh, anyway, an agent was at the show, um, and I remember they called my mom. We were, I think, eating together, and she picked up the phone and just (sighs) – Okay, thank you. And then she said, Ella, an agent called, and she was happy that I was happy, but she also knows sort of the uh, horrible things about this business and how hard it can be, especially for a child actor.
0: Because your mom is also involved in the... Industry? Yeah, she's a
1: manager. Okay. And so, you know, she always kind of was really cautious about me doing this because she
0: knows... So deeply what it is. Oh, gosh.
1: It's really... I remember from the beginning she said to me, it is not as glamorous as it seems and it's harder than it seems and it's not, you know, all this crazy fun like it looks like. Right. And if that's what you still want to do... Do it,
0: Although, in your case, I'm sure there have been some things you haven't gotten, but you're a very young person, and you're starring on Broadway, and <laughs> I named, like, three TV shows and a big movie. So, in your case, so far, maybe it hasn't been the bloodbath that it can Thanks be for other of, people. So yeah, far, no, yes.
1: Yeah. I've felt very lucky, and honestly, I credit a lot of that to um, the fact that both my parents and everyone around me has kept me very... Um, Is your dad
0: in the, in the field as well in no, the industry finance okay so very different yes. um
1: but i mean both my parents always just said um if this is what you love you can do it but the second that you are unkind to someone or um this is turning you into a
0: someone we don't recognize uh, someone we don't recognize yeah. or if
1: it's you know interfering with school we're done
0: hmm and
1: You know, that was very frustrating to me, but I mean, not the unkindest thing, like the fact. No,
0: (laughs) I can't believe I can't be unkind. I hate not being No, but that they were making school be your priority before, like,
1: right. yeah. Because, you know, who knows? I could have gotten nothing ever, which is a very common case for the most talented people in the world. The
0: odds are against all of us. Oh, completely. And so it
1: was more like, okay, we're not going to let you go do a seven-year Disney show when you have a childhood experience. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with that for some people, but it wasn't for me. So
0: how did you manage that? So you're in fifth grade, Mm -hmm. um, which is also when my son did Seussical. Not that this is about Caleb. He's not. He's a musician, as it turns out. But he loved doing that. And ironically, the boy who played JoJo in their little fifth grade show is now one of – he's the young Harry Potter. (laughs) On Broadway. Oh,
1: my God. That's so funny. So so
0: random. So JoJo funny. seems to be a really good jumping off oh, part yeah. for- JoJo. Uh,
1: yeah, I think Meryl Streep played JoJo. See? No, no, I'm kidding. But um.
0: <laughs> She wishes she did. Yeah, right? Meryl's like, her one regret, I, I never know. got to play JoJo in Susical. Yeah. I'm sure of it.
1: No, she said that on uh, Fallon at some point, I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she says it every night before she goes to sleep.
1: Right. She writes in her journal.
0: Sophie's choice was great, but if only-
1: I got to sing "Oh, the things you can think."
0: It's a great song, though. It's a good
1: song. It's I a know. really. Good, it was a fun show to do, and um, anyway, so yeah. So it was you, a do, fifth grade. you do,
0: you do Suzical. Yeah, you get an agent because only in New York does someone mm-hmm. do like a kids. It wasn't even. It wasn't school, right? It was like no. a community kids community. theater, yeah. and an agent comes, and that's a lot mm-hmm. of what it is to live in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so she comes he comes the agent is oh, a she, male she comes and i'm still with her she's still see loyalty right. good job ella thank you um so I mean, she's, she's
1: incredible and she's really stuck with me and it's like yes i have gotten work but there's been a lot of times when i've gotten close and not mm-hmm. gotten it i mean i guess that's for everyone but it was very frustrating um and i always thought okay well she's gonna drop me she's gonna drop me now she's gonna drop me now and you know she was always very loyal and We've just gotten closer and closer and closer throughout the years. And she came to my opening night, and it just felt very full circle. Yeah. Um,
0: That's amazing. Yeah, she's really amazing. Are you 17? I'm 18. You're 18. So after that, when she calls, your mom's a manager, and so obviously she is a great guide to have in Mm -hmm. terms of even just helping you understand, is this something to miss school for? Is this not something to miss school for? Were you doing commercials or at the beginning or auditioning for commercials? Uh,
1: I kind of did – a mix of everything I did you know commercials film TV and commercials were very fun for me I really love to do them actually or I did because um you know you get to go to set for a day and make new friends and you know be on camera like as 11 12 13 that's a really fun thing and yeah like, I never and really it doesn't f-
0: take up a huge amount of time right. in terms of it's missing like one to two right. days
1: and so my teachers were actually like okay about it but I remember the teacher that I had when I got my agent, and I, I played Annie in the school play that year, mm-hmm. um, she was, you know, I have such great appreciation for teachers that nurture their students, and I think teachers can have such a big effect on who you become. Right. And this teacher did not nourish me, I'd say. I remember after I got cast as Annie, she told me that day, and I was so excited because, you know, I'm doing my school play. And oh, I- by the way, it's
0: Annie. <laughs> Also, it's Annie.
1: Right, right. I was so excited. It's the dream. It's the dream for an 11-year-old girl. Yeah. And so I remember she came up to me after class and she said, by the way, if you fall behind on your worldly wise, I could take this all away from you. Okay. And I
0: remember I was like... (gasps) Oh my gosh! Okay, okay, Miss okay. Hannigan. Right? <laughs> oh, right. right. We love you, Miss <gasps> Hannigan. What if she was, was like scary. a totally method scary. person, and actually she was mm. just like letting you know what Annie's lo- like. You always oh, thought she was hurting that. your feelings, but right. maybe let's turn it around. She maybe to nurse me as an actor, she was like, "This is how we work." Like Spielberg made Drew Barrymore cry when they were doing ET. I think really? he was like, "Your dog died," like something Mm-mm. like that, and then that's why Drew was able to cry nonstop, so maybe let's just pretend yes. that she was like, I'm going to be Miss Hannigan, in. and this girl's going to know a little bit of what it's like to be Annie. Right. You think you're all that? Well, well you're, you're not. not. Okay? <laughs> We've just changed the narrative completely. Yeah. Thank you, Mrs. Rosen, whatever your name was. Yes. Um, yeah, um, moving on. Yeah, I mean, and I – No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. But you didn't fall behind on your work, and you did, did play best. Annie.
1: I did my best. Um, but yeah and then you know I was at a normal like school I guess I'd say uh, and then once work sort of picked up and I realized that that school was not the best fit for me right for you know both work and just you academically emotionally mm-hmm. I switched to the school mat now um, which is for kids who are working right um, and so that made it's it It's just set up for easier. that. Right. It's I mean it was originally for vaudeville kids.
0: Oh my God!
1: Yeah, it's over 100 years old. Oh
0: my God! So God Broadway kids never went to school. I, know, I exactly. feel like they just lived backstage and smoked cigarettes and like oh, exactly. hung out with the burlesque like ladies. The Broadway kids. Yes. Um. No, but like they the it's, it's really
1: kids. set up for Broadway kids, and so mm-hmm. you know freshman, sophomore, junior year. Obviously, I didn't. Um, I was did mostly film and TV stuff, but then this year it really feels like it fell into place for why I switched schools in the beginning.
0: So when you go to a school, uh that is set up for professional kids. Mm -hmm. Um, It's already so hard out there, right? It's already so hard Mm -hmm. to just hold on to yourself, not look right, not look left, and just stay on your own path. When you're also going to... And obviously, sorry, I'm interrupting myself. Obviously, when you're on set with other kids and there's a tutor, you're all in it together. Mm -hmm. You're all working on the thing. You're all learning together. Um, When you go to a school... That is, obviously, you don't have to work to go there, but it's set up if you want to work. Does it feel competitive within the school mm. in that way? Or is it a supportive environment for everybody?
1: I mean, I, I went in freshman year thinking that it would be competitive and it would be, you know, because being an actor is hard as it is, like you said, but also being a teenage girl can be
0: um, a pretty treacherous. Under the best of circumstances. Ter- of course. Yeah. I mean, it's
1: just – you know, being a teenage girl is hard, and so being a teenage girl that are all going out for the same roles that you all really want—it's—it's it's a hard thing. But I—I I went in expecting that,
0: and sort and of bracing really yourself for that,
1: right? I was ready to like, okay, like, who's, mm-hmm. who's how do my, I hold gonna on gonna to my myself? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it wasn't that at all. I would actually say everyone was really, really supportive of each other. I mean, and who knows the inside of people's heads, but my. my best friends at the school are actresses and Mm -hmm. we see each other or we saw each other uh at auditions all the time at that age and would hang out and it was fun we would read lines together and sometimes they got the part sometimes I got the part sometimes neither of us got the part and we could celebrate that too um and so you know it was it's actually a very I think nurturing place because it's people that understand the want and the drive Mm -hmm. and how it feels you know yes you're a teenager and you are in school and want to have fun and do all these things but you also have a career that you would sacrifice it all for for the most part.
0: Right. So when you... So Rewrite is a film that, by the way, guys, it's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> you can watch it. Um, Hugh Jackman was such a... I don't know. I loved him when when he first kind of came on the scene. Oh, Hugh Grant? Did I say Hugh Jackman?
1: I actually... It's funny. Story, I also it, love Hugh I Jackman. I thought it was Hugh Jackman when I, when I went to set. Hugh Grant came up to me and shook my hand and said, hello, I'm Hugh. And it was so sweet. And then my mom was like, Ella, do you know who that was? And I said... I, I, I don't. And she was like, oh, that was Hugh Grant. And I said, no, no, Hugh Grant's Wolverine. He right. hasn't he gotten here yet. Yeah. And she was like, oh, oh, no. Oh do you no. still want to do
0: this part? Because it's Hugh Grant. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry. I meant to say Hugh Grant. So sorry, blessed. Hugh Grant. Um, please come on and we can talk about it. Uh, <laughs> I know I don't hold grudges. I hope you don't either. So when you – was that the first – what was the first big job? Because I got to see that movie, and oh. I'm just curious, um, so was that before or after some of the TV stuff that you've done? That was my first ever job. Okay, so tell us how you got that part.
1: Yeah, so I remember my agent started sending me out on auditions after mm-hmm. Um JoJo. Right. <laughs> the dream role.
0: The dream uh, role. And Meryl.
1: Exactly. Uh, and I was auditioning and having a ton of fun. I loved it so much. And then maybe a month in or so, I had this audition, and they didn't give me anything to—no sides or script or anything, because also my character did not speak. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember I walked in the room, and they just said, okay, dance. And I've always been a very bad dancer my whole life. Uh, And not only that, but, you know, just— Dancing is just a very scary thing. The thing is at eleven. You're That's not so mean. About that. I know. That's, in
0: retrospect, no. Yeah. Absolutely not, but guys. I think they wanted
1: to see if like a kid was willing to just not go be for embarrassed it. and go for it. And I mean as an eleven year old who was having a, the time of her life, I did just go for it. And mm-hmm. I right, just like dancing and twirling and just doing my thing and then they were like, Okay, cool. And I had a call back a few days later, I think, or I don't remember. But like how not long. another dance
0: call, please.
1: Right. And I remember the director was there and he said, Okay, he like dance and so i twirled and i danced and then i remember i shook his hand and i felt very cool and professional and then i was walking home from school um and i think it was like my first phone or something and it was like a motorola Mm -hmm. and um and it it rang it rang i was on my way to hebrew school actually Uh so funny my mom called me and i opened it she was like you got the part in the rewrite and i thought it was so cool and so fun And i went to hebrew school and told all my friends yeah as we were supposed to be
0: Getting Can't ready for I'm your saw. yeah. <laughs> did you have a bat mitzvah? <laughs> I did. Was it <laughs> themed in any way? Mm, not
1: really. Actually, I should have done like celebrate or mm. something, honey. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. Um, no, it was it was guys. Fun. Do you
0: understand that her name's Ella? So she right. was like Sella- Right. okay because mm-hmm. sometimes it gets lost without a visual I just want them to understand <laughs> oh, okay. it's actually a great idea and I'm gonna steal it
1: I, I'm I'm kind of upset I never I didn't do it right but no mitzvah is when you're a city kid or a very uh big deal which like the party is at least mm-hmm. or like when you go to school everyone like some people wear like the sweatshirt that you gave at the, end like the yeah day and it's the like swag kind of oh now looking back on it in retrospect it's so it's such a funny funny thing yeah.
0: But you did it and you we got through it. it. Got through it. Learned your my son has a bar mitzvah coming oh, up. So okay. I'm like, look, there is another side. Like oh, so he's thirteen or twelve. He's thirteen. Okay. And okay. uh yeah, I'm like, if you could just he's like, God, it's so much. I'm like, I know, <laughs> but you know what, <laughs> I felt dude? The same way. <laughs> I know. I'm like, but first of all, as an adult looking back, you're gonna be so glad you did this. Secondly, this has been going on for thousands of years. Mm. Thirdly, just imagine your grandparents in that front row beaming up at you. And fourthly, just learn the dang thing. Like it's a month of your life where you have to buckle down and like skateboard an hour less and moff an (laughs) hour more and it's all going to be okay.
1: (gasps) Yeah. It's funny. I know. I mean, now that I think about it, I really did not take it seriously enough. Uh, And I'm not, you know, I'm not super Jewish. I'm Mm -hmm. Jew-ish.
0: Meaning you're not super religious. Right. Because I feel like the Jewish is just like... It, it it's what mind. you are exactly. and how much you choose to like Practice. i don't know connect with it in your life totally i guess is the thing
1: totally i mean i guess if now that i think about it my grandparents are much more connected with it than i am and so i'm sure it was great for them and it was it was interesting for me i mean i i think it connected me in some way i don't feel super super connected to judaism mm-hmm. but um i think you know it's my dad grew up in like a very anti-semitic uh neighborhood with mm-hmm. a very anti-Semitic school so it's cool in that way that I can do that freely
0: right but anyway exactly yeah. I know well I'm sorry for your dad that is awful
1: yeah
0: um and I feel like having young people like you just say that they're Jewish it seems like such a little thing mm-hmm. you know Ben Platt is a friend of mine and he's mm. been on the show one million times and he talks about all the time about how his Jewish upbringing in this beautiful liberal family is so much of why he can do what he does and is who he is and and just be himself. Um, And sort of also how much being a part of that family and how they practice their religion was about not just the religious aspect of it, but like the community service aspect of it and all the ways in which, and every religion has this, Right. nor do you have to be religious to be a social activist in any way. But when the two meet and support each other, that can be be a great thing. thing, Yeah. And so for him, it doesn't have to be for everyone. It's just Mm. been interesting because I know when I was growing up, what a big deal it would have been to have just someone talking on Mm. like Leno or any, or Letterman at the time. Um, about how much being Jewish was a part of their life. Like nobody did that.
1: Oh, okay. So I guess growing up in New York City, with you would a liberal exactly. Family, you don't really. I you don't really, even I don't feel like
0: it. Who, it doesn't matter if that yeah. actor is Jewish or not.
1: Yeah, I, I do feel grateful um, to have grown up here for multiple for million yeah. reasons, uh, but also to be in the family that I'm in because of what the stories that my dad tells me about his upbringing. And uh,
0: where did he grow up?
1: He grew up in New Jersey in mm-hmm. Edison, mm-hmm. which isn't you know like.
0: It's not like it's on the planet what? that is not the East right. Coast right yeah. it's not like
1: what I mean, it's New Jersey yeah but he was the only uh, Jewish kid him and his brother at his school mm-hmm. and um, the school just had very anti-Semitic I guess boys who come from who came from anti-Semitic families right and so him telling me that gives me such um, I feel so grateful. To have never had to live in fear like that. I have Mm -hmm. no equivalence to that, which is a a very privileged, lucky thing.
0: Well, it's interesting because just to segue in a very ungraceful way Mm -hmm. to The Rose Tattoo, the play you're doing right now on Broadway, where culturally this Italian family that you're a part of is very much thought of, you know, when you described your dad's situation, it's certainly possible that your character would be one of very few Italian people in school on the Gulf Coast of Florida at that time. Yes. And sort of ways in which it's not your experience, it may be more your father's experience Mm. of feeling like an outsider.
1: That's interesting. I I actually haven't thought about that very much, but yeah, I mean, this is an immigrant family that is Sicilian, and after getting the role, I read a bunch of books about Sicilians in Louisiana and in New Orleans, and it was actually a a very well-known thing at the time, but these Italians and especially Sicilians were extremely discriminated against. It was a really really hard life and so one of the things we talked about a lot in the rehearsal period and in my own personal research was you know the assimilation Mm -hmm. factor which is that I come from this Sicilian woman um, that I mean you saw the show Mm -hmm. She obviously she has an accent but also speaks in Sicilian frequently I speak Sicilian with her frequently Yes. I grew up in this town with all these uh, Sicilian women around me, but then I am uh, supposed to be this girl from the South. Um, all the other girls in my school are probably blonde and mm-hmm. don't look the way I do. Um, I mean, in real life and in the show, I have very dark hair. You can't see it right now. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, when working on the accent, obviously it was a very specific kind of Louisiana accent uh, from the Gulf Coast territory, not Biloxi, not New Orleans specific, but I also try to infuse some of the um, sort of Sicilian nuances into right, it. Right, right. To just inform it a little bit better because it's not, that's not really her natural way of speaking. I think it'd be more comfortable for her to speak Sicilian. Right. And so it's, it's a really interesting story of her trying to, you know, assimilate into this life, into this school with these friends that is... Can't relate to her heritage in the same way.
0: What year does the play take place?
1: Uh, in the nineteen fifties.
0: Right. So there's so many things. A right. just being female. Mm-hmm. B being Sicilian, being an outsider, coming from a very um, controlling mother who yes. really believes that her daughter should live a very similar life that she lived. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's a fascinating. It's a fascinating play. So tell us a little bit. This is your second time now. As I said, um, being the uh, Pretend daughter right. of Marissa Tomei, who is, um, I can say from personal experience, one of the most disciplined, hardworking, passionate actors out there. I mean, there is no one who takes work more seriously right. um, or has more joy around work than Marissa. Totally. Um, I mean,
1: that's why she is as incredible as she is. I mean, you saw in the play and you could see in every other piece of work she does. She's a really, really special actress and what she brings to every role is something that you don't see every
0: day. Right. She's a chameleon as well. Yes. So talk about what um, was this a hard or easy casting process for you?
1: It was a little bit of both. Um, I would say it was easy because I felt Rosa in my heart from the moment Mm -hmm. I got the email about the audition yeah you're
0: like oh I know Rosa I knew her you Mm -hmm. know I mean
1: I'm a teenage girl I'm 18 now and she's 15 and so I'm not very far removed I mean there's yes there's a lot of changes between 15 and 18 and 12 and 15 like she is in the beginning but I really I really felt her in my heart from the beginning and I wanted it so badly. And when
0: that happens for you, because Sarah Stiles was just here, and she was just talking about sometimes she has this feeling in her body, mm-hmm. and it's not every time. Right. And often when she does, she's like, that's my part. And it doesn't mean she gets it, Oh my but God, it means yes. it's her part. Yeah, because yeah. I felt,
1: you know, infrequently, but I have felt before, this is my part. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I, I just want to do it justice in some way, and I don't get it, and then... That's okay, yeah. Because at least I got to be that person for a moment. Yes. Whether that was working on it or auditioning, yeah. Right. I got to be her for a second, and like that can be enough sometimes. Yeah. And for this, I just I I, I wanted to do anything I possibly could in my power to get this role because I I wanted to be the one that brought you know my life experience to it and brought her to life because I feel like so frequently for teenage girls. the roles that are, you know, portrayed on screen and on stage are one thing, mm-hmm. and they're not multidimensional. They're either the sexual girl or the innocent girl, right?
0: Or the smart girl, right? But you can't—it's all compartmentalized, of them. right?
1: Exactly. Because I think that people expect women, and especially younger girls, to be one thing. Because I don't know, maybe they're afraid of the gray area, maybe they're afraid of layered women who are mm-hmm. also powerful and also kind of moments of weakness but Rose is all of those things right and it was just such a special thing that Tennessee created that and wasn't thinking about her just being one thing or any of his women you know Blanche DuBois or
0: yeah they're such ferociously complicated, complicated brilliant people
1: like all people right you know and so I I, I, I the audition process was easy because I felt her so deeply but it was hard for the same reason because I would have been so, so, so deeply heartbroken, I think, if I hadn't gotten it.
0: Do you have nerves when you go into an audition?
1: It depends. I think... uh, Like when
0: you... Like this. You really wanted this. In some ways, you were so sure that this was yours, and in other ways, you were aware of how devastated you would be if she wasn't yours. Right. So how do you handle... How do you prepare? How do you handle nerves? What's your process like?
1: Yeah, I have to say, I'm not very... I'm trying to get better, but I'm not very confident Mm -hmm. as an actress, I'd say because, you know, it's easy to, when you see all the people around you in that room who are auditioning for the same part a- and are so uniquely talented, a lot of times it's not, you know, it's not even about the best actress, quote-unquote. It's about who's right for the part. And sure. Y- you have to, to take it seri- uh, yeah. too, too personally yeah. Or too seriously. Because all of it's really fun and it's such a cool job and it's easy to forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how I prepare, I'd say, for auditions is I think you can't go wrong with, uh, being as memorized as you possibly can be. For me, that's really the first step because until I can say the words, you know, without thinking like backwards twice, and forwards, backwards yeah. and forwards, I can't really nail down what the words mean. Right. So for me, memorization is key because then I can bring in, okay, what is between the lines, so I don't have to actually think about the lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very important for me. And also, you know, in audition, sometimes they fill me shoulders up, but nailing down the physicality. In auditions, especially theater auditions, which I don't go on very frequently because I don't really sing, um, I I wanted to nail down Rose's physicality as best as I possibly could in the moments where she is with Jack and has this other demeanor where she's with her mother and wants to stand up straight and, you know, look a certain way. And I think, you know, I guess physicality and learning the words and what the words mean are is really important to me. But yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't so sure that the role was mine, but I was sure that I... Which I never ever felt, and never say that I could do it. Mm-hmm. I, I really have never felt like, oh, oh yeah, I I can I, I could do this. Like this will be easy. Yeah. And I'd never thought it would be easy, but I I knew I could, in some form, do a justice and do Tennessee Williams justice.
0: Do you work with a coach, or do you just work on it with your own, on your uh, own?
1: Yes, I do work with a coach. Her name is Susanna. We've been together since I was, like, fourteen or fifteen, I'd say. And so she helps me with auditions, and especially theater auditions that I'm not as used to.
0: Um, do you come to her already memorized so that you can just start working together, or do you meet with her early on before you even have it in your body?
1: I try as best as possible to go in memorized because it's really hard for me to, uh, you know, work physically with a script in my hand. Right. Which totally is fine for sometimes or some people or whatever. Yeah. Everyone has a different process, but for me, it's really hard to think about the character when I'm thinking about the words, and mm-hmm. so I try to go into her memorized. But she's. Just the best and really helps me. I mean, once I meet with her, Susanna, and we, uh, you look at my sides, they are so marked up. You can barely see the words.
0: So does she always start in the same way? Or are there certain questions that she asks you to ask? Or depending, like, what's the process? Yeah.
1: I mean, we always start out with a warm-up. Uh, where she gets me a little bit uncomfortable in the mm-hmm. best way. Like, we do some weird exercises. or have to say some weird things. And I remember when I was, you know, 13 and 14 and started going to her, I felt very like, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. Yeah, this is weird, yeah. And now I realize there's no way to to play any, uh, you know, crazy roles if I'm not comfortable, you know, doing a ghost sound or yeah. whatever she gives me that day. So we always start with that, and then it's I feel much more comfortable in my body. Um, and then we kind of just read it once See how it feels, and then, oh, okay. Well, this word. What do you think about the inflection here? Mm-hmm. Because is she talking about, you know, for example, for this she's talking about her papa's truck, or that it's papa's truck because there's a million trucks, right? And little things like that. I think, right? Have been, you know,
0: to get really specific really with vital it, vital
1: in yeah, totally to get specific. So she's great at getting specific, and then I guess at the end, generalizing in terms of the basics of the character and the mm-hmm.
0: scene. So tell me a little bit, if you can, about what it's like being in the room with Marissa. What have you mm-hmm. learned? How does she work in ways that you're like, I'm going to take that with me? Like mm-hmm. what's the – what? tell me about that. I mean there's
1: honestly endless examples. I learn so much every single day. Um, I mean she's definitely taught me a lot about – I mean I get, feel like I get a master class on stage every single day. I say that a lot. But it's true. And not only has she helped with purely – acting uh, stuff, but also with being a woman and being a female actress and Mm -hmm. being a person moving through this weird world and this weird business. Um, And so she's taught me a lot about grounding myself, I'd say, um, in the scene and in life because as an actress I can be very, you know, frenetic and fast moving and I talk too fast and sometimes I'm not really allowing myself or the character or both to settle in and mm. create roots and once she told me you are a tree and I try I, that might sound weird to listeners now but it,
0: she but when use, you see her in her tree costume oh gosh,
1: yes <laughs> oh my oh that's funny yeah no my, my tree costume is uh, it's 20 pounds and I really had to ground myself for it
0: <laughs> and it looks um, a lot like a beautiful white graduation dress or a wedding dress right not to
1: spoil anything exactly um but yeah no that was the best thing she could have said in that moment we were working on our final scene which is an intense moment between yeah. them and She just said, you are a tree. And I just felt, you know, I don't know if this was a, what kind of reaction this was, but I felt roots planted. And I felt like it really, truly helped me ground myself as an actor, even if maybe Rosa didn't feel very grounded.
0: Right, and figure out how to stand up to your mother. Completely. Right. With also
1: feeling such great love for her and great excitement for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. while also being a teenager who's mad but Mm -hmm. you know not letting that get stale in oh, mom i hate you
0: right and does she do different things every night is it pretty consistent in the eight shows a week i mean you guys have a lot of scenes together and they're very emotional Mm -hmm. and and you know you your relationship for much of the play is you know such a centerpiece Mm -hmm. of the story um loss and letting go and and also when you think back to Serafina, the character Marissa plays, her character probably got married at twelve or, or 14, I mean, fourteen, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which was completely normal, um, yep. and that's not that long so ago. I was a
1: Fifteen is late in the game. Yeah, it's like <laughs> she's an old maid. She's getting, I know, got to freeze her
0: eggs. That's right, um, freeze your eggs, but also like this idea of intermarriage, right? Like you're leaving. You know, Jack is not Sicilian, right? Right. So all of this stuff that's so scary for a parent mm. to let their child, you know. She – in this show, Serafina and her husband uh, come to America in hopes to raising their – of raising you in America but not wanting you to become American Mm. yet wanting you to become American. Like it's all the things. There's all these –
1: it's like a real balancing act. Mm -hmm. It's like a big seesaw where the two people are kind of the same way. Yep. It's – it's.
0: I think that's a really great metaphor. Yeah.
1: I mean, Rosa's a mirror. Rosa's – I think her purpose in the show is to be a mirror to Serafina and to sort of free her. I mean – I think, sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, but I think you're right. Like, Serafina
0: meets somebody and you're meeting someone and you're both sort of exploring these new relationships and and letting go of the old.
1: Right. I mean, Rose is breaking all of these boundaries that she's not supposed to break. Right. I mean, in being, uh, first of all, an openly intelligent girl Mm -hmm. and a girl that is becoming sexually free, Uh, And doesn't want to wait until marriage, which is not supposed to be the way it went. Uh, And a girl that is willing to step out of, you know, cultural norms Mm -hmm. uh, and gender norms, you know. So she's not willing to close herself off from the world because that's what she's supposed to do. I don't know what it is about Rosa, but I think a lot of it comes from her father, her like wild father, that she is willing to be wild and be all these things unapologetically and without – she doesn't really – I don't think she fully understands why it's so strange, Mm -hmm. all of these things. And she's willing to take these risks and that's something I admire about her and want to be more like.
0: Yeah, I know. She's an inspirational character because she's also very loving at the same time. Um, You are coming to a point in your life where it's no longer – you being a child actress, trying to negotiate two worlds, my school life and my Mm. professional life. You're graduating this year. I'm assuming you're going to graduate.
1: I hope so. Um,
0: Yeah, And you're also on Broadway, eight shows a week. Um, It's a limited run. So obviously there's going to be a moment where you can come up for air. But are you thinking that you would like to take time and just pursue this professionally? Do you want to go to college? What's your thought about are you gonna be an actress forever? What do you think right now?
1: I mean, I think I think a lot of things. I I, I definitely wanna let life kind of do its thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, a hard thing to say for a control freak mm-hmm. like myself. Um, I mean, I definitely am I'm so passionate about acting. I love it so, so, so much. And it feels so good to be, you know, young and doing this and learning from masters yeah amazing talented people um about life and this craft and so i think i definitely want to keep acting that's no doubt in my mind but you know you never know where the business is going to take you if it's going to take you Mm -hmm. um and so i think i am planning on going to college and you know, you know it, may, it may sound like a very obnoxious or privileged thing to say but i would choose work over college mm-hmm. um even though i do have the privilege of going to college right i think i would i mean and if i do go to college i don't think i'll study drama i think i'll study you know some sort of intersection between non-governmental organizations environmental science and some kind of women's gender studies i think i definitely i think all knowledge informs acting and so absolutely i mean i know you you obviously know anything that you know about the world will help you develop more layered nuanced characters and I think you know I definitely want to keep acting but if I do end up going to college I will study something different but I also though I do want to keep acting I think one great thing about being an actress is that for some strange reason uh, people who watch your work trust you as a person for better or for worse and I think it's a really special thing that some actresses or actors are people get to make good change in the world through their platform and through their art most mm-hmm. importantly. Mm-hmm. And so you know I'm I'm very passionate passionate about social justice and the environment as many people are and especially people my age now. And so I def- I want to make good change in the world as much as possible and hopefully do it through and what I love,
0: Right. And if you have a platform and a which just gives you a megaphone to reach more totally. people, that would be great.
1: Totally. And the great thing is, it's like most people who have spoken to me about, you know, any of my work are women and younger girls, mm-hmm. especially about Rosa. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the show, if I go out and right. sign some stage label, door stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. And they say to me, I remember the very first preview. I went out the wrong entrance, and there was two girls, and I was like looking around, like where am I? Where are my parents? Um, and one of them came up to me and said, "I just want to tell you, I'm 25 and 20 whatever now, and I really felt uh, the way that Rosa felt, and so I, I'd never seen a character." like that Mm -hmm. and it was just amazing for me to see this girl that was like oh gosh I want to have sex so badly and do all these things so badly but I also have this duty here but I'm not that conflicted and I kind of know myself and all of these different things and she just said how much she related and how much it meant to her and that That's, I mean, that's the best thing one can hear.
0: Well, how do you negotiate for all the young women or just young people listening now? How do you negotiate being your own self, living at home, having parents who think they know what's best for you? Mm -hmm. Sounds like you have a great relationship with your parents. Um, Does it get heated? Are you guys good at communicating with each other? Have you learned tricks to, like, calm yourself down Mm. when you want to
1: explode? I mean, I would say my parents are...
0: Hopefully they don't listen. They're pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't want you to hear that. No,
1: no yeah. never. I'm a, I'm 18. Um, <laughs> no, they they really are, and they're so supportive. And I will say, usually they are right, as much as I would like to not admit that. And so, I'm. I think we've in these past few years, especially as work has picked up in this, gained another level of respect for each other and each other's space and each right. other's work. And I think it's you know the vacillation between spending time alone and spending productive time with each other and by productive I don't mean getting work done I mean you know catching up because when you're doing this job at least for me I need a lot of alone time just because you know even if you're not talking with the entire audience every night it really feels like a big exertion of energy and so regaining that happens by being by myself and self-care and nourishing myself. In,
0: and how do you, what possible. are the things you do? Do you like to watch stuff? Listen to, like, what's your mm. self-care routine? What makes you happy when you're not working in yeah. your downtime? I
1: think kind of all of the above. I mean, I really like to consume. I like to consume art, whether that's, you know, literally going to a museum or books or I just wrote Kafka on the Shore. It was so good. Um, but, or, or you know, watching new movies or TV shows. It's It's really important for me to, you know, once I'm giving on stage to consume too and like keep enjoying all the art that um, is out nowadays and is so amazing. But I also think spending time without any noise is difficult for me and it's difficult for my generation in general because yeah. we're constantly on our phones. Totally. But, you know, whether that's meditation or just, you know, not going to sleep with a podcast, just like mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, three things that were good that day or, or nothing at all is really important. And to me, yoga or exercise is really important for just... Not even my physical body, but my mind and rejuvenation in general. So, do you do
0: do you do a practice? Do you run? Do you do yoga? Do you exercise or not in a regimented way?
1: I used to be very regimented about it, and it didn't work for me as much when I was strict and had a schedule. I mean, I, I think for a lot of teenage girls, that's not a great thing, but. Now, I kind of try and intuitively like feel what I need that day. I try to work out as much as possible because it always makes me feel good. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, like in a so gym or in a class or. I like
1: classes. I like yeah. to be around, you know, people kind of struggling in the same way you are, kind of giving each other that <laughs> yes energy when I see someone struggling, like, you know, nodding at them, like, you could do this. Yes. So whether that's, you know, a crazy class that I'm like, you know, throwing up or like a restorative yoga class where mm-hmm. I can focus on my mind, um, both are valuable. And I think you can get the same effect there as you can with reading. Um, so it's just, you know, kind of switching it up.
0: So I've told people before, this is really an excuse because I'm a parent now. Mm. I just love, I think all of the guests I have um, just come from extraordinary families. And I'm always looking because I have a teenage daughter mm. who is not that much younger than you and my teenage son. Oh, We've talked bar mitzvah, yeah, obviously. Of course, of course. Um I'm always looking to kind of think, are there things that your parents do Mm. that you, like, 100% would promote and put on a poster, like, do this? Things your mom has said to you. Things that, that like... Uh, I could say to my daughter when I always feel like I can fix this or I can, you know, hear what she's telling me. Mm. George is often saying to me, like, Mom, I just need you to listen. Oh, I was
1: about to mention that. And I
0: definitely have gotten better at that. But I also feel like sometimes there are things that have been said that stick with you that are really positive messages. Is there anything that you can think of that you sort of take with you? Like, you know what my mom or dad said to me, and it actually, I still think of it to this day. Mm. And if there isn't, that's okay, too. You can write in later if you have one.
1: No, I mean, I I think that there are. My dad is very wise, and I think he said a lot to me growing up, uh, you know, different things that he wanted me to learn. And there's a few that stuck with me especially. I mean, one thing that he does now is he asks sometimes, sometimes he asks whether or not he wants – I want him to – give me advice or to listen mm-hmm. and I think that's a very important thing right I really dealer's want... choice right which sometimes do I you really want, want yeah. advice sometimes I really wanted to listen and if he doesn't you know he should be able to read my mind right so it's good it's good for him to ask but yeah one thing that really stuck with me was I think this is like maybe a Yoda quote I don't know but he would say don't try do or do not and I hate that and I also love it Because, I mean, when I was little, I hated it because, you know, with my math homework, I was like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And he would say, no, don't try, do or do not. And then as I've gotten older, I think I've realized it wasn't, okay, you have to succeed or you have to fail. It was choose to not do it or choose to put all of your Mm -hmm. effort in. Kind of like a don't half-ass anything in a more, you know, frustrating way for a 12-year-old to sort of have to decipher. Uh,
0: That really... Stuck with me. I love that. That works for me, for all of us. That's incredible. Yeah. All right. Before we go, what is a little known fact about you that you might be able to share?
1: A little known fact about me?
0: Can I have some inspiration? Mm. Yeah. Do you want to phone a friend?
1: Oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, Let me think. A little known fact about me is that I was very in to... Uh, African dance class in, in elementary school, our school offered it. And my sister and I, and um, mo- I guess most, of, it was partly required at first, and then I really enjoyed it. And so I did that for a lot of my elementary school, which was, uh, I guess, quite random, but it was a lot of fun for me.
0: And I feel like maybe that's why I'm at the rewrite thing. audition... You were nice. able when they said, can you dance? You're like, yeah, I can. Uh, is there a yeah. drummer in the house? Yeah. Here we go. Is that
1: an appropriate little in fact?
0: I think it's great. Okay. Guess what? I didn't know that you did African dance when you were in elementary school. I don't
1: remember any of it. Thank you. Ella <laughs> Ruben.
0: Thank you for being on my show today. Thank you for having me. This, this is, is pure joy. Here's till uh, we see each other again. I Please. can't wait to see what you do next. Oh, thanks, Alana. All right. Thank you. Clouds can make the wind blow. Hey, I'm Alana Levine. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review our show in the iTunes show page. Hey, I am so excited to share some news with you guys. For the last few months, I've been working on another project that I've been calling Little Known Facts, 2.0, Stage Network, an incredible new streaming platform which promises to be Netflix for theater lovers, asked me to do Little Known Facts as a filmed series, a talk show, as it were, in front of cameras. And I really thought about it for a long time because the thing that's made this podcast so special is that All of my guests have been able to share deep, intimate truths about their lives because we are in this tiny, comforting confessional that is the podcast booth. And I really had to think hard, could I still deliver the same kind of intimate, raw, hilarious, and unique interviews if cameras were involved? But I think I figured it out. I created a really beautiful set uh, with very little technology around to distract me or my guest. And somehow through um, the miracle that is uh, modern technology where cameras can be really far away and capture really intimate moments at the same time, we've done it. And I'm so grateful to Stage Network for allowing me to make my dream of sharing incredible friends with you in this whole new way. So I shot six episodes. The first one uh, is with Ben Platt. Other guests include Celia Keenan-Bolger, Zachary Quinto, George Salazar, Nikki M. James, John Slattery, and on and on and on. And I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to share them with you. Stage Network really is an amazing place. Not only is it filled with incredible original content, uh, it has licensed so much theater-related content, documentaries and films and all sorts of incredible programming. I feel like I dreamed up a network and someone else created it and here it is. And the fact that I'm involved in even a small way with this incredible, incredible network is just truly an honor. So to that end... Uh, To watch all of the content, including Little Known Facts, the series, go to WatchStage.com. You can start your free trial today, but you guys, it is only $4 a month if you sign up in earnest. That is nothing when you think of what you're going to get for it. I can't believe this place exists. I can't believe Little Known Facts is a film series. I will continue to do my podcast every week for you, but... It is really exciting to go on this whole new adventure with you. So go to WatchStage.com. That's Watch, W-A-T-C-H, Stage.com. Enjoy, and I hope you like it. Hey, everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday, and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, LittleKnownFactsPodcast.com, You'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City.